listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 58 of the Testudo Times Podcast. Maryland's football season, I think, really begins now. Everything up till this point was great. But I think it's become clear Maryland really didn't play anybody worth their salt. Uh, Ryan Connors is here. Ryan, I think we've learned now the first four games for Maryland almost kind of felt like preseason, considering three of them were blowouts and one was close. But the other three were being Maryland, and Maryland's not a great team, let's be honest. They weren't in the same league as some of these other teams. Did it feel now, when you look back on it, that it all kind of felt a little bit preseason-ish? Yeah, I think that's that's almost fair to say. Um, and I think that's kind of what we knew it would be going into the season, maybe in a best-case scenario. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear now that none of these teams are on Maryland's level, whatever that might even mean. Um, and it looks like UCF is probably by far the best team Maryland's played. And Although that's makes not sense saying that's much. Game. That's not saying yeah. much, considering. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But, uh S&P right now has Florida International sitting pretty at 119th overall, Purdue at 100th, and uh, Central Florida at 73. And Maryland is at? Is at 40. Wow. Um, And Penn State is at 38, which is just delicious. I mean, how are they even – we'll get to how the heck they're even remotely close in just a bit. Thomas Kenzora is here, who – I know is excited about the Orioles game that we are going to all watch in about 45 minutes after this recording has begun. Uh, but Thomas, I'm glad I could get your focus until then. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, go O's obviously by the time we post this, uh, you'll know what has be, happened. It, yeah. They'll either be in the division series or home and sad. And, so, either ha- uh, and half of my Twitter timeline will be exalted and excited, and the other half is going to be dejected and despondent. I can't tell you which half is going to be because I follow a ton of hockey fans who all live outside of Toronto, and I follow a bunch of people who also like the Orioles. But I'm not going to be on Twitter this evening or at another point when you're now listening to this show because uh, there's a vice presidential debate and I couldn't care less. So let's talk about Maryland football, which are things we do care about. The good thing, of course, is I hope everybody liked the A.J. Francis podcast we did a week ago. It was one of my all-time favorites. I know, Ryan, I think you enjoyed it. Hopefully you listened, Thomas, and hopefully the rest of you listened as well. We're going to try to do more of those in the future, if at all possible. But let's get on to the football game, which we didn't really talk about all that much last week. Turns out we didn't really have to say all that much because Maryland just destroyed Purdue. And I think a lot of us thought Maryland was going to win. But I don't think many of us thought Maryland was going to win by 43 and completely outclass a team in its own conference. Now, Ryan, we know Purdue is abjectly terrible in every way, but that's still a conference opponent that Maryland beat by 40-plus, and I can't remember the last time Maryland outclassed a conference opponent like that. Yeah, I think uh, the acceptable acceptable response here is to be pretty excited and surprised. you know, there. I can't remember the last time Maryland's done that either. And even though Purdue is objectively pretty terrible, uh, you know, 
we knew that going in, and no one thought Maryland was going to win by 43. They did almost everything right, and you know, it was just it was it was exciting. Like, and even I, the things that they did wrong, they ended up doing right in the end. We'll get to one of those things uh, briefly. I want to ask Thomas a pretty a global question. Um, when we started previewing this season, I did think that they were going to finish 4-0 because the schedule was just so favorable. But now, now that you look at it, and not everybody expected Maryland to go 4-0 through its first four games, but that was pretty much the best-case perfect scenario is what actually played out. Are you surprised that that has happened? Um, I mean, a little bit. You know, the way they played against UCF, they definitely could have lost that game. Um, but, you know, just they're definitely objectively better than all these teams. And the fact that, you know, they faced a little adversity and got through it and then, uh, you know, really took care of business in a pretty emphatic way in all the other games, um, you know, that, that looks pretty good. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were thinking maybe five, six wins. And right now, uh, S&P Plus gives them a 96% chance to reach six wins. So uh, they're sitting pretty pretty right now. I think it would be a massive failure at this point if Maryland didn't get to six wins. There are at least two left on the schedule in many ways, and we'll go through all the possible permutations and combinations with that later. Uh, the last time Maryland beat a conference opponent by the margin that they beat Purdue by was when they beat Wake Forest 62-14 to in 2010, which I think was the last truly good Maryland football team. So that gives you kind of an idea of how long it has been. Uh, Ryan, let's get to this game, and there isn't, all that much, I guess, to say about it because it was such a comprehensive blowout, but there were some key things from this game that I do want to mention. First of all, we talk so much about the running backs because Maryland has six as co-starters right now, which I don't think there's any other team in college football that can tote six co-starters at running back. And we had wondered who was going to be the featured running back, who's going to get the bulk of the carries. I have a feeling now that we're going to be saying this every week because it will change consistently and constantly. In other games, it was, you know, Trey Edmonds or Lorenzo Harrison that could have been the star. This week, it was more than clearly Ty Johnson, who was Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. He was amazing. I think we talked a lot about how great Ty Johnson could be, but the, I think the bigger question with the running backs is, this isn't running back by committee. This is running back by series, and in any given week, a different running back could stand out and end up doing what Ty Johnson did this week. And as he said, there are not many teams in the country. There might not be another team in the country that can do what Maryland is doing. Yeah, I think um, you're absolutely right when you say it could be another running back next week. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, is it going to be – are they going to rush for 400 yards ever again this season? Probably not. Almost definitely not. But um, I think you'll probably see people like Wes Brown and even still Lorenzo Harrison kind of have these standout performances that Ty Johnson did. But even when he did have a really big performance like he did on Saturday, they still spread the carries around a lot. He only had seven, which makes the 204 yards even more ridiculous. But uh, it'll, I think no matter what, it'll always be a pretty – uh, pretty big rotation, and even within series, they rotate backs constantly, uh, depending on situation down. Just you know, one guy whips off a twenty-yard run, comes right out there, they put someone else in, and so far the transition has been pretty seamless. The transition has been seamless, also Thomas with wide receivers too, because 
One week it's DJ Moore. This week it's Teldrick Morgan, who got a couple of touchdowns running the football. Uh, one touchdown running the football and another on a great pass, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, it's such an amazing offense to watch, not just schematically, but with the n- amount of personnel that Maryland has. And it's not the best personnel in the country by far, but how it's being utilized is pretty astonishing, all things considered. And you know, other teams have standout talent. You know, the Clemsons, the Louisvilles, Ohio States, Alabamas, all of them. They've got great talent at the top end. But I don't think any team has the depth and uses the depth the way Maryland does. It is pretty astonishing to watch, and I want you to focus on the wide receivers, too, because, as we said, this week it's Teldrick Morgan. Next week it could be DJ Moore. The following week it could be Malcolm Culver. Who the heck knows? I mean, I think DJ Moore is pretty clearly the best of them. Well, that's true, Um, but... You know, again, it's Teldrick yeah, Morgan I mean, Teldrick this week. Morgan, yeah, he really jumped out against Purdue. Uh, technically, there were two receiving touchdowns because the second one was a shovel pass that traveled about a foot and a half in the air. Uh, that that was a pass and a completion and got ratings points for Perry Hills. And that's the kind of offense that's putting up. Every time I'm asked, like, why is Perry Hills putting up numbers? Because he's getting shovel pass points. Um, <laughs> it's true. It, it's fantastic. Um no, but yeah, Teldrick Morgan, obviously, a, you know, I mean, we knew he was a pretty good player at New Mexico State. Uh, this was our first chance to really see him, you know, burst out as a Terp. And, uh, you know, he should definitely be a weapon going forward. I mean, Moore is always going to be uh, a threat. Um, DeAndre Lane uh, was their best receiver in the first game, uh, missed the second game, but he's always going to be around. So, yeah, just a really deep position. And, that's that's even before you know they haven't really used Laverne Jacobs and guys like that Tolmer. They haven't really used the tight ends much either. Even you know that that gives you an idea of the kind of personnel that Maryland has and how it's being used. Uh, we have on this website given a lot of glowing praise to Walt Bell for good reason, and we saw what he did with Arkansas State. And again, that's a completely different conference and a completely different level. What he's doing with Maryland, I think is really astounding and as Maryland continues to play better and better and there are only three teams ahead of them technically in the coaches poll this week he's going to start getting a lot more credit for what he's doing and I I don't think I've ever seen an offense as creative as Walt Bell's maybe it's just because of what we came from and anything can look creative after you watched Randy Edsel's offenses but Ryan with Walt Bell it seems like there's something new every single week. I don't know if that man ever sleeps or leaves his office. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, most most creative ever might be uh, might be a bit of, bit of a stretch. There's some there's some crazy stuff out there, but um, I think that he's first of all, you know, again, he's like he's suited the offense to the strength of his personnel, which is great. I think he like any new coach installing a new system is probably installing things gradually. And he said himself that, uh, you know, year two is really when he, when he's going to probably have this team moving as fast as he wants, or at least faster. I don't know. I don't know you how know. you can move faster than they're moving this year. They, they're actually, um, by Bill C's uh, adjusted pace metric, I think they're only the 70th or 80th fastest team in the country i think it seems um, weird to me that's um i think 
the from just the naked eye, in my opinion, I've seen them run. I've seen them go fast at some points, but overall they haven't been, you know, some like Oregon Chip Kelly thing for most of the time. I think um, it's, you know, like there's one there was one sequence in the game last week where uh, Perry Hills had a, you know, like a 30 yard run and then Kenneth Goins had like a 10 yard run. And then the very next play was the 11 yard touchdown to Teldrick Morgan. Uh, that was the diving catch. And that was all those plays were all in pretty quick rapid succession they tried to show replays and then all of a sudden they had to cut out of the replay because they were cut into the game but uh i think the offense still moves fast at some points and is still generally a no huddle offense but it doesn't it's not exactly moving at a breakneck pace all the time which is fine that's pro that might not be exactly what he's going for anyway um but i think i think the pace of the offense will be something to watch going forward see how they uh if if it uh if it really picks up well again i don't think maryland has needed to show that kind of pace on yes offense because in most of the games they're winning by a bajillion and if you're running that offense when you're up 40 in the third quarter that seems a bit um mean and walt bell and dj durkin are very intense very passionate people but they don't seem to me that they're mean people uh but thomas there is something uh from this game another thing on the offensive side that I wanted to mention which was we saw the first turnovers of the season and it came in game four which is amazing nobody before the season would have ever predicted that Maryland would go three games without a turnover and through four games only have two of them uh when Perry Hills threw the interception on the opening drive you could start to see some of the people in the crowd go oh god here we go again and on the next drive they go that three-play, crazy quick, and the great touch pass to Teldrick Morgan. Walt Bell had said he wanted to see how Perry Hills responds to adversity. Well, we saw how he responded to adversity. That's a pretty good sign for somebody who got knocked around against UCF and hasn't been the best deep ball thrower in the world. He needs that confidence heading into the tougher games, and that's the kind of bounce back you want to see from him, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, there's really two parts to, you know, Perry throwing his first interception. I mean, the first one is, you know, the defense, um, you know, with the sudden change, you know, like two plays into the game, all of a sudden, okay, they got to get on the field. Um, and then, you know, they, I think, have two incompletions and a sack, and then Purdue misses a field goal from the far hash. And, you know, all of a sudden the momentum's back in Maryland's favor. And, um, you know, we were talking to Perry today at the media session, and he said, you know, it really didn't stick with him that long. Um, you know, he just threw it and he, you know, obviously he was a little pissed. And he was like, you know, damn it, why'd I have to be the one to throw the first, you know, one to turn the ball over first? But, um, you know, he kept his head up. He didn't really get down on himself and it showed. And that's not something that we saw in years past. Because when there used to be one turnover, more were coming and they used to come pretty quickly. It was definitely a negative spiral. And the fact that there was a rebound that quickly is a great sign. And again, Purdue is horrible. Uh, and Maryland's going to be playing tougher teams in tougher environments down the road. So it's good to see that bounce back occurring. And it's good to see it happening in a conference game. Quickly, Ryan, on the side of the defense, I don't think there's much to take from it. Not just because Purdue is awful, but... They didn't have their two starting tackles, and it showed. Maryland was in the backfield in David Blau's face basically every drop back. 
I don't think that's happening against teams with better offensive lines, and that's pretty much all of them, maybe sans Rutgers. So maybe in that sense, the defense's great performance comes with a bit of a caveat. But still, I think that's probably Maryland's best defensive performance of the year. They held a great running back in check, too. That's, that's a lot of positives to take going into a hostile environment on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew, we knew before the game that Purdue's rushing, rushing attack wasn't exactly one to be feared, but they did a good job with that as well. I think, honestly, a theme of Maryland's season has just been, um, you know, they've done pretty much what they have to do. Uh, which hasn't always been that exciting and kind of always comes with a question or a grain of salt. But they've, you know, pretty much anything they've had to do, they've done it. Um, yeah, I think the, I don't know, the next, just this Penn State game is just really when we're going to find out what the heck we're dealing with this season. And uh, personally, I'm I'm pretty excited. I think now is the time to start talking about Penn State. We've tap danced around it a bit. Uh, but now we can start talking, and this is a very, very big game between a couple of teams that are pretty similar, and in many ways is a measuring stick for both of them. For Maryland, it'll tell us how good they really are if they win. With all of the turmoil at the bottom of the top 25 AP and coaches poll, I would find it hard to believe that Maryland wouldn't be ranked if they win this game. And it's also going to tell us a lot about how good slash bad Penn State is. And Thomas, I want to start with the DJ Durkin quote we saw from earlier today. He's not playing up this rivalry thing at all. Is that a good thing for him to do? Because I have a feeling there are players in that room, and Penn State tried to recruit a bunch of them too. I bet there are a couple of players in there that really want to beat Penn. I mean, they all want to win every game. But Penn State's a different animal compared to playing Purdue, for instance. I think... I think as a coach, uh, it's probably not wise for DJ to tell his players, like, you should really get more amped up for this matchup. Because then, I mean, that's a lot of extra pressure. I mean, the players are, you know, it's human nature if you have sort of an emotional tie to a certain game, like, you know, ties to a certain team, you're going to get, you know, naturally more amped up. But as a coach of 100 of them, I don't think you should be telling them all, like, that this is special. I mean, obviously, I mean, he said before the week you know we have to have our best week of practice because this is our toughest opponent you know it's a big 10 East opponent um and so i mean they do clearly you know hold this game in a higher regard than they have any of the previous games but i don't think the fact that it's penn state and it's the quote-unquote rival really matters to them uh at the media session everyone wanted someone to say penn state was our rival and no one would say anything and it drove everybody nuts <laughs> of course it would, because that's the easiest story in the world for anybody to write. It's also bulletin board material for Penn State, but it is a pretty easy story to write. I know that talking about Penn State as a rival is very easy to do from our end. We know that the Penn State people really don't care because they didn't even consider Pitt their rival, and that's more legitimate than Maryland, and we saw what happened with them. They're probably not going to start talking about rivalries all that seriously now that the pit thing blew up in their face and their other rivals, whatever you have, Ohio State, they're going to just destroy them anyway. So I guess the biggest question now is, now that DJ Durkin is here in Maryland, I think is being starting to really be taken seriously as a football program, and Penn State's in a very weird portion in its history where James Franklin could easily get fired. Uh, is this a real rivalry yet, or... 
is there's still more to go because obviously what happened two years ago was great. It was awesome for Maryland fans. But do you think that this is a real rivalry yet or is there still more time to go? And is it going to take that sort of multiple games? Is it going to take another Maryland win in State College for it to really start to become a thing? Um, I mean, I think it's definitely not a rivalry right now. I, but the the whole concept of a rivalry, and I'm honestly, whenever I say rivalry, I'm using some pretty huge air quotes over here. But yeah. uh, um, you know, I'm not really gonna, and I'm sort of gonna write about this in a way later this week. Uh, you know, I think def- like any sort of rivalry can end up being a little bit forced. Uh, I think Maryland obviously tried to force the whole rivalry thing. Um, which is what the school is going to do because they want the game to be more hyped up and both games have been pretty great. Um, I think, uh, you know, you know, for most things, mo- most teams wouldn't want to create a new rivalry with anyone. They think rivalries should be, should have started back when football was played with leather helmets and that they, everyone just like fought each other. You know, they think these rivalries have to be these long standing things and that's fine. Um, I think Maryland could definitely, Maryland Pitt can definitely be a thing. I think it can be a really exciting game every year. And that is really, uh, that's, who cares if it's anything more than that. I think that's exciting. I think the players, I, I'd be I'd be really interested to see, you know, DJ Durkin and the players all, you know, the players all had some, you know, rehearsed lines that were, you know, hey, this is, game's important, but everything's important. I think there's no way DJ Durkin wasn't like, hey, don't you guys want to beat Penn State like a little bit more? I think anything he can do, to amp his players up a little bit more, he's going to do what, and he's obviously going to say, don't tell the media about this because there's no reason to give, uh, give Penn state Bolton board material, or just, there's no reason to just be doing that in the media, but privately we're going to get pretty jacked up about it. I think that's probably what he did. I don't know if Penn state could do much with Bolton board material, uh, because they're, let's be honest, they're not great, but we saw what happened when they gave out Bolton board material. Oh, well, they didn't give out Bolton board material, but one of their uh, fan sites did, and it ended very badly for them. Uh, but I, if they win, I am so curious and so excited to hear what the players of DJ Durkin are going to say if they do win. That one, that That's going to be worth the price of admission to that press conference for whoever could get in there. Let's start talking about the actual game, Thomas, and Penn State has won their three games at home. I, I believe the first team they beat was Kent State. Okay, they got close against uh, Pitt, but that's because Pitt does Pitt-related things all the time. They struggled a bit against Temple. They needed overtime to beat Minnesota. They're pretty much both of these teams on a very similar playing field. I think we know just as much about Maryland as we do about Penn State, even though the Nittany Lions have played one more game. Uh, how do you handicap this this game between a couple of teams where – as I said, I don't think we know entirely what we have yet with either of these teams. I think a lot of this game is going to be about what happens early because we haven't seen Maryland get down. They were down by three points, really, at UCF. And if you're down, you know, like one or two scores early in a game at Penn State where they have 100,000 people all probably wearing whatever the same color and yelling at the top of their lungs, that's going to be white. a real different answer. Surrender white. Yeah. Is, is it white? Yes, it's going to be white. Fun. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just a whole different beast. And, you know, but if Maryland 
gets on top early, which you know also could happen. They have a solid running game, things like that. Um, then I think you know it's really a toss-up game, and then it's about you know who wins the turnover battle and uh, gets field position and all those other little things. Ryan, we know about Saquon Barkley, and that's a uh, a player that Maryland should be very afraid of because he's one of the best running backs in the country. And Maryland has at times shown that they have trouble stopping the run. But what other areas are you concerned about? It could be on offense for Penn State. It could be on defense. What other areas of concern do you have for Maryland in this game? As we said, they've played two road games, but they haven't been against great opponents. This is really their biggest test of the year, particularly on the road. Yeah, um, I think pass defense is really, this is the first big test that Maryland's talented but still unproven secondary gets to face. Uh, Purdue's fifth in the country in passing S&P Plus, which, uh, you know, still early, but still that's a scary thought. Um, And Trace McSorley so far. He's filled in pretty well for Christian Hackenberg. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. Filled in well for Christian Hackenberg. You mean Mm. isn't Christian Hackenberg, so he's way better. I don't know about that, but uh, and I get, I get, I get, I get where you're going. I get get where you're going that, you know, Hackenberg in general was, uh, you know, this highly touted prospect who secretly wasn't actually that great. And the Jets somehow took him because they're the Jets. But, um, yeah, I think uh, McSorley's done a fine job. Nothing, not amazing, but certainly has the talent here. And they create a lot of big plays. Uh, They're fifth in uh, passing explosiveness, according to Bill Connolly's metrics. And I think it's going to happen where Maryland's going to surrender a long passing touchdown uh, you know, Maryland plays a lot of press coverage and, you know, as good as Will Likely and J.C. Jackson and Alvin Hill all are, everybody gets burned, even in, even the good corners in the pros. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Maryland responds if that actually happens this week. Um, other than that, I think uh, always going to be interested to see how Maryland's passing offense does. Um, I mean, this is a pretty general statement anyway, obviously, but if Maryland isn't able to run all over Penn State, which, you know, they they won't be able to do as well as they did against Purdue, obviously. But beyond that, I think we're not really sure. Um, then Maryland's going to have to show some life in the passing game. And uh, when Mar- so far this season, when Maryland's been forced to pass, the results have still been mixed. So we'll see what happens when, when Penn State knows that Maryland's going to pass. Um, that's kind of going to be that's going to be a new challenge. A pr- protecting the passer, and then Perry Hill's just being able to get the ball out. I think we've seen at times, Thomas, that Maryland has been able to throw a deep ball again against bad teams, but we've seen that they can do it. But also, I mean, has Penn State really faced a team that's going to do what Maryland does on offense? Yeah, they faced Michigan, and Michigan's really good. But they run a lot more, I guess, a quote-unquote traditional offense compared to what Maryland does. And Pitt's got James Conner, but they're not running, I guess, it's not even the tempo, but they're not changing personnel on every play the way Maryland's doing it. And they're not, you know, using these short passes, the running game in the way that Maryland's going to do it. So in some ways, is Maryland 
in a position where they can do more damage because they just do so much that might be different compared to what Penn State has faced thus far? I mean, there's a chance, but that's why you have a week of, you know, preparation to, you know, really look at what a team is doing and try and figure out how to, you know, stop that. Um, you know, that, that comes down to coaching, and, you know, this is going to be another referendum on how good a coach James Franklin is. He's not a good um, coach. Even if he wins this week, he's still not a very good coach. Well, you know, we'll see what he figures out. You know, this is the guy whose team last year against Mike Loxley's Maryland won by, what was it, two or three? I had, Maryland had no business being one. in that game and, and lost by only three. It was awful. It was a one-point ball game. Third one thirty. One one point. Maryland had no business being in that game and still somehow was in that game. So James Franklin's not a good coach. He might have more talent at his disposal than Maryland has now, and that's probably been the case for a while. Uh, but it's certainly, certainly not the case that, you know, that James Franklin's somehow a good coach if he wins. Penn State, by the way, is giving up 4.9 yards a carry on the ground. If Maryland's running for 4.9 yards a carry on the ground, they're going to win. I don't care what else happens. And that, that's something, I guess, Ryan, that Maryland has at its disposal is if they start running the ball the way that we know they can, even though Penn State's defense is far better than uh, any other defense they faced, including UCF, if they're running the ball the way they can run the ball, they're probably going to win. Yeah, that's a true statement. Um, I think Penn State, let's see how Penn State's rushing defense even is. Uh yeah, Penn State's rushing defense is fairly average. So you'd expect, and, you know, they're still dealing with the fact that none of their linebackers are healthy. Um, I think you can expect Maryland to have a solid rushing day for sure. Um, this is still probably the biggest and best. Even with all their injured linebackers, this is probably still the biggest and best run defense Maryland will face. Um, so it's another test. But, uh, yeah, I think... I think you can expect Maryland to rack up, rack up some more yards on the ground, for sure. And surprisingly, when you look at it, Penn State, according to the stats on the Big Ten's official website, is the worst rushing offense in the conference. And that's with Saquon Barkley. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. So I guess now it is time for the predictions, Thomas. It, depending on where you look, Maryland is either a slight underdog or a slight favorite. And, of course, this includes... Penn State getting three because this game's in Happy Valley. It's also homecoming, so it's going to be a very difficult atmosphere to play in. But do you think Maryland can win this game? Because I do. If the circumstances go their way, Maryland can easily win this game, as they can win the next three. Individually, all of the games are winnable. Uh, but do you think they end up coming out on top here? I think they get served a little bit of reality to, uh, on Saturday, and because it's the first real team that they're playing – they're probably going to lose it, and that helps and serves them well down the stretch. But there are many scenarios I could see where Maryland wins. Oh, yeah, same. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of ways that, you know, this game just unfolds in a way. You know, if Maryland jumps out early and, you know, holds on to it. I, I think, you know, it's a very, very realistic thing. I think it's probably about, you know, there's a reason it's close. I, I think it's a 50-50 ball game, um, you know, and if it's close – Toward the end, I mean, that gives a slight edge to Penn State with, you know. Um, Being you know, at home and having already done it, yeah. but Maryland's played and won a close game, too. So it's mm -hmm. not like they, they haven't been in there. This isn't a team that's played only blowouts. Uh, do you think they win? 
I'm gonna just I'm I'm gonna go with yes. I'm I'm drinking the Dirk and Kool Aid. I'm drinking the Big Ten water. Where is the statue <laughs> getting built on Monday if Maryland actually does win this game? It's got to be Gossett, right? No, it's gonna be a part of the new Cole Fieldhouse. They're gonna push that back another month. Build a statue of Dirk and outside the new Cole Fieldhouse. I think that would make sense. Uh, serious though, yeah. Ryan, where where do you, how do you think this game's gonna end? Oh man. Uh, I know this is the hardest. I I thought UCF was going to be a hard game to predict, and we all thought they would win, but we just didn't know by how much because we didn't know anything about UCF. This is probably going to be one of the hardest games for us to prognosticate all season. Yeah, I oh man, uh, I think this one's so tough to predict. I think. Uh, I mean, what Maryland's the the combined margin of victory in the two games that they've played since Maryland joined the Big Ten is what two points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's 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 even because uh, well, Maryland it, won by one. And yeah, 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 you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I got you. The you margins have been by a total were two points. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, you know, I I think I think Maryland's gonna be able to pull it off by like a field goal. Um, this is gonna be, you know, I thought the last couple of games were gonna be within touchdowns but this one this one's surely going to be different and uh you know penn state's good they only, they didn't lose to Pitt by very much and Pitt is ranked higher than them and well, no 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 they were losing by Pitt to a lot and then Pitt did the thing where they pitted and then made a game that shouldn't be close close sure sure um but and they beat they beat michigan which very well could be a better well. team Michigan, uh, Michigan, Minnesota, 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 Minnesota. Um, they beat Minnesota, which very well could be better than Maryland. Um, but I think again, they needed I late Maryland's magic gonna, to win that game. Yeah, that's well, no, that's that's fine. Ah, um, uh, yeah, but I'm going. I'll I'll go. I'll go with Maryland by the by the slimmest of margins here. I think this one's going to be exciting. It's going to be a fun game either way, and. Boy, I have no idea. I I think Penn State wins just because Maryland hasn't quite played a game like this yet, and they're still a team that we don't know everything about them, and this is a kind of game where I think some of that uncertainty, in a way, if you you catch what I'm getting at, I think could definitely hurt them. But as I said, it's probably 50-50, and there's every chance Maryland does win. Uh, it would be amazing if Maryland won two straight games in Happy Valley. Just how cool would that be? Like all of our joking aside about building statues for DJ Durkin, how cool would that be if Maryland actually won two consecutive games in State College? I think that would be awesome, but I think it would be—it would just be. I think the five and zero start for DJ Durkin is an even bigger deal because uh, this game, when you looked at it on the schedule at the beginning of the season was probably a loss. Maybe that was because we thought Penn State would be better than they actually are. But, uh, you know, DJ Durkin coming out of this one with a win, 5-0 and heading into Minnesota, which is a winnable but also very tough game. Um, I mean, this, this, starts to, this starts to get a bit ridiculous. The hype, and, then, and then Maryland uh, will be ranked. Um, I think it's – I think Maryland will probably be – if there's Maryland beats no Minnesota, yeah, if Maryland, Maryland beats Minnesota. No, no, no. If Maryland is 5-0, and they beat Penn State, there's no way they aren't ranked. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say they're probably ranked. Yes, and also, when but was, Thomas, should ask you a quick trivia question before we go, when was the last time Maryland was 5-0? and I don't know that. 
You should know that. You're a football beat writer. I don't, I don't know that. You, I'm wait. a football beat writer in 2016. I'm not a football beat writer in... <laughs> what uh, year do you think Maryland last could have conceivably been 5-0? and Okay, you mentioned 2010. I'm going 2010. It is not 2010. Oh, darn. It is not 2010. I'm sorry, but you were close. Maryland started 4-1 and that year. When do you think when might the last conceivable year Maryland was five and zero? When do you think that could be? You talking to me? I'm talking to both of you. I, I know Dave Tucker is probably listening to this and saying, "I know," is yelling at his his computer as he's listening to this show, and hopefully he is. He knows the. I bet I bet a lot of Maryland fans. Are uh, what it just off the top of my head? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. That was the last time they were five and zero. And Maryland that season, not only were they five and zero. They started 8-0. And uh, I know you tweeted, Ryan, that you got some people telling you that could be possible. Um, You know, when you look at uh, – it's you, you play – I think I'm most surprised that Michigan State is all of a sudden a beatable team. But uh, you look at these individual games against Penn State, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Indiana, these are all winnable games. But just the idea that Maryland would win all of them is just so unlikely. But That's what if, I uh, – yeah. It's, it's now now that I'm looking at this schedule in front of me, um, there are certain situations where I could potentially have people talk me into some more outrageous records. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let that I'm gonna keep that for down the road. Yeah, we'll get to that. I'm not. I'm just I'm just gonna say Maryland has a according to uh, S and P Plus they have a 0.8 percent chance of going 11 and one or better. <laughs> that means they beat one of Michigan or Ohio State. And somehow, some way, at that point, they could even be thinking about the Rose Bowl. Let's not even get there. Let's not, <sighs> even, let's not even make me think about the Rose Bowl, because that would be the most amazing thing that's ever happened. Maryland and the Rose Bowl. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, before we get off the crazy train uh, and crash into something, which always happens with Maryland sports, we should end this show, because crazy ideas, when we preponder them, it can end badly. So thank you, uh, Thomas, for being back on. Good luck to the Orioles, and good luck on your tests in the future. Thank you. Thank Ryan, you. Uh, a... You're not an Orioles fan. You are a Red Sox fan. They also need some good luck. So uh, enjoy that and enjoy your tests as well. I thank you very much for that. You are going to state college on Saturday, aren't you? I will be in attendance. Yeah. I've never covered a road game before. It should be, it should be pretty exciting. You're going to have some fun and I need good luck for the Mets tomorrow night too, but nobody's uh, the Mets create their own bad luck. So anyway, Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the game on Saturday. We'll be back next week with a podcast recapping it. And uh, trust us, if it's win, if we win, there's going to be a lot of celebrations. And stay tuned to the site for all of the pregame lead-up to one of the biggest Maryland football games in quite a long time. Uh, enjoy that. Enjoy the week. Uh, but, of course, no Terps. No Terps.